welcome to this thread of the podcast. My name is Susie Can, and I hope you enjoy exploring with me the thoughts that come with this thread. If you have any interest in supporting what I'm doing or getting in touch, please do so through the website kylak.ie, where you will also find other resources and connections that I create around each podcast so that if some of the tweaks of interest come to you through them, you have a place to go to go a little further and deeper or to find other information or to find a way to support by maybe wanting to collaborate or offer something, even a donation. Thanks for listening. Systems and how we design them, how we are part of their creation, is what I want to explore in this thread. Whenever I'm doing community development work out in communities that I've worked with in Ireland in all sorts of ways, whether it's looking at how to set up a community garden or other projects, one of the things that I often start with in trying to understand and listen to the needs of a community, because the project might not come in the early stages, but the needs might be there. I ask people, if we assume that we cannot go on as we are going, what evidence do you see of system failure in your own community? And when I listen, what I usually get a sense of is a lot of different things that people tune into, but are not necessarily aware of the interconnectedness of everything. So some people might say, people around here are sicker than they used to be. There are more instances of cancer or obesity or heart disease. So that's someone tuning in at a health level. Somebody else might say, it's not fair. I know that the things that we get access to are built upon the shoulders of others, are exploited and come from a history of exploitation. So they're tuning into the justice issues. Somebody else might say, it didn't used to flood like this around here. It used to flood maybe in a hundred years, but now almost every year the fields in that lower valley are flooding. So you can see that people tune in to different evidences that there are multiple different systemic failures. And some of them are the things people can see around them in their own locality, and they may not know how they connect to others. And others, it may be from travel or from work or from just talking to people from other countries. In Ireland, we certainly have had access in recent years to many people from other countries. We've always been an island of immigration inwardly, um, and emigration outwardly as well. And so there's a kind of flow of information about the world that comes in and out of this very small island. I talk a lot more about that in a different thread about our ancestors and the way that the land here has been interacting with people for a very long time. When we understand that we have been in a system that promotes scarcity and fear and exploitation, 
and a lot of entitlement and a lot of power over in order to create modernity. When we look at a system that we might want to replace it with, where do we get our inspiration? So one of the reasons that I have another thread on ancestors is because I think that one thing that changed in, you know, maybe in thousands of years, but very accelerated in a couple of hundred years was the loss of the sacredness of the earth to our systems and the connections that we once had to all things. And I've been exploring different frames and different toolkits and different ways of looking at systems um, that help regenerate that connection, that help move us back towards it. And one of the things that I recognize is that some of them are stepping stones to a goal that may take a lifetime to understand and deeply connect into, which is why I have other threads about the personal journey of reparation and healing. Um, because one of the things that the system has done is oppressed many people and excluded many people at the exact same time as it has been creating cycles of destruction in our planet. And one of the things that hopefully the goal of, of returning to a understanding of sacredness is a system that allows us to be in right relationship with the patterns and the seasons and the species and the, and the cycles of destruction and renewal that are natural patterns of life and death and renewal on a planet. And so one of the first places that I find as a, as a, as a framework and a tool to talk about this was when I discovered the thinking in permaculture. And I would still today hold and practice and be involved in permaculture and permaculture education and permaculture practice. And I'm really heartened to see coming into the, that space, some debates and some critiques of how one of the failings of permaculture is that a lot of the language developed by mainly white people, um, starting in Australia and then going elsewhere in the world and connecting up with others who had explored similar practices like Masanobu Fukuoka in Japan and Sepp Holzer in Austria um, and others around the world, often uses a language of separation from nature. So permaculture is something we do to the separate entity that is nature. But what I would like to explore in 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 the talking about and, and explaining a little more about these frameworks is that they have the potential, I think, to be a stepping stone towards a deeper connection to nature for people who've had that very severed. And so one of the reasons for that, I think, is that it uses as its foundation the modern science of connection, of understanding relationships in nature, which certainly was understood in anything you might call indigenous science wisdom in the past, but is got a language that helps people who've stepped away from that for multiple generations come back. And that is the science of ecology. And ecology is the study of natural systems. And it was 
a relatively young science in in the 1970s when Bill Mollison and David Holgram co-developed the framework of permaculture. And when I say they co-developed it from ecology, they had also an experience of trying to do reparative, regenerative work in ecologies in Western Australia. Mollison in particular had been working in forest regeneration. And one of the things that he awoke to and acknowledges was the linearity that was still very present in ecology thinking at the time where they were choosing just a couple of different species of trees and planting them and then having all sorts of problems with the trees getting eaten by various different kinds of marsupials. And so what came about then for Mollison was what he called an aha. And Mollison spent a lot of time with indigenous peoples of Australia. And he didn't write about that, actually, when he first promoted and, and talked about the framework that was permaculture, that he evolved with Holgram. And I understood from someone I met who knew Mollison well, who was working with uh, an indigenous group in America and who had traveled to Australia. They asked Mollison, but if you had inspiration from indigenous peoples, why did you not write about that? And it might have been a very different framework had Mollison explicitly talked about that inspiration. But apparently, and this is a story by a story, by a story, several times over um, hearsay. But it's an interesting thought that apparently Mollison felt that if he was to give credit to some of the inspiration behind his permaculture thinking to Indigenous Australian Aboriginal people, he was afraid that people would go seeking it in a extractive way, that same inspiration, that same knowledge, from the Aboriginal people. And he was very aware, having been involved with um, supporting land rights um, by doing genealogies of Aboriginal people trying to hold on to access to their land. Although saying their land is an interesting phrase here because Indigenous people wouldn't feel that there is land ownership, but rather a place that they are part of. Mollison apparently felt that if he made that credit, um, for the inspiration that what would happen is that people would go and try and get that out of the Aboriginals. And he felt there had been so much extraction and so much damage and so many years of direct persecution and the stealing of land and just incredible things like nuclear testing that happened on Aboriginal lands because the department in charge listed the land as empty. They said that there were no people there, and they denigrated the flora and fauna to be not a problem for nuclear testing. However, at that time, Aboriginal people were also listed as flora and fauna of an area. So there's massive amounts of ongoing issues for Indigenous peoples where governments and corporations don't protect them from this incredible exploitation. So I think Mollison just felt if he credited his Aboriginal permaculture inspirations for things that he'd learned from being with Aboriginal people, that that would spawn a whole lot more of that by potentially well-meaning people, but showing up to extract, like people buy Aboriginal art on T-shirts and so on. However, what he, uh, 
he did say is that he understood from Aboriginal people that you get about three good aha moments in your life and that as you have one, you progress to the next age and stage of your life. And so his aha moment in the forest was that he realized that they weren't thinking about anything in relationship to anything else. They just had a list of species. They thought they'd plant them. They thought everything would work out in the forest, would regenerate. They hadn't thought about the relationship between any of the trees and the marsupials. And that was just one of the possible relationships. They certainly hadn't gotten into all of the ecological relationships that go on in a community of life that we are part of and the kinds of multiple complex exchanges that go on. So that's where permaculture originated from, was beginning to look at the principles that exist within a forest and imagine if we designed our own human design systems back back in alignment with the understanding of those relationships and the importance of them. One of the things that that led to at the same time as thinking about the design of this, of, of the natural world was thinking about the ethics that would need to be in play. So if it was a, a science, perhaps at that time, ecology is a science, if permaculture was to be the application of ecology in the same way that engineers use their understanding of physics and apply it in the world. So if Mollison was going to take ecology and apply it in the world to human design systems, then he also thought it needs to be an ethical design science. It needs to come under the umbrella of ethics. And so the ethics that he and Holgram and others that were involved in those early years came up with were three pillars of values, and they were justice values and land use and access values and sharing values, but also they were values of care and compassion. And so they summarized them in the end as earth care, people care, and fair share. And interestingly, I think that does show that separation between the people and the earth, because to care for people would be to care for earth if you understood earth to be connected and to care for earth would be to care for people if you understood that connection. To try to understand systems thinking, I have found it very helpful from a way of exploring it that I learned from another permaculture teacher, which is to understand your body system, because it is the one that most people are most intimate with and understand at some instinctual level. And they could also study it and look at it from a Western science worldview, or they could study it and understand it from Eastern uh, knowing and practices of well-being and balance. But wherever you understand it from, you live within a very complex ecosystem in your body. And one of the reasons that I think it can be helpful to talk about this is because to interact and know intimately all of the different systems that you're connected with in your body doesn't mean you have to know every single thing about everything in your body. You don't have to have a label for every artery and joint 
You don't need to know the names of your bones. You need to have information and feedback from the system itself. So that if you imagine this is a complexity of nested systems within systems in your body, one of the things that is clear is that taking care of a body actually has some pretty simple principles, even though it's an incredibly complex living system in itself, that you are that system. So in other words, some people would mix up the distinction in the word between complex and complicated, thinking of all of the systems that are showing themselves to be under stress in the world, in the climate systems and biodiversity ecosystems in different parts of the world, and all of the other human design systems in terms of the built environment and the economic systems and the health systems that we've put in place. In thinking about what you could do, you think, wow, that's just too complicated. I couldn't possibly know where to get, begin. But if, if you actually look at systems thinking and the exploration of, of everything in relationship to everything else, starting with the body is a good way to realize that taking care of the body is a lot simpler even though it's a really complex system. So yeah, your lungs are nested inside of a rib cage. Your heart is beating right there, pumping blood around. Your brain is like full of electronic signals, sending messages all over the place. And that's before we get into, you know, muscle groups and aging processes and development and hormones and just all these incredible nested systems that make up a person. That idea that you would dissect that in order to understand it more fully is an interesting premise within Western science. So you can take me and take me apart um, as a body and you can put all of the constituent parts of my body in all sorts of petri dishes and under different microscopes. You can discover some amazing things like that my heart cells that beat a rhythm will sit in the Petri dish by themselves. If you've one cell by themselves, they will go off rhythm and die quicker than if you've two cells near but not touching. They will stay on rhythm and not defibrillate. And there's just this incredible stuff going on. Stephen Harrod Booner, who wrote many books, The Lost Language of Plants being one, but he tells that story about intelligent information crossing an energy field between two cells. However, he also says, if you took me apart and put me into all those Petri dishes, you wouldn't be able to put me back together again. And you wouldn't understand very much more about how to build a body, how um, to create a living body or who I am. I just use those analogies when trying to think about and learn how to interact with the living systems. And I talk in other threads in this podcast about how to reconnect and build your understanding and your wisdom um, using interaction and using calm states and using all sorts of things. But I do think for our very Western educated brain, and when I say that, that education system now pervades a huge amount of the world. There's very, very few people who are not subject to a education system that focuses on left brain, analytical, logical, labeling, knowledge, so that we would know the names for things, so that we can follow things in logical 
patterning and sequences and mathematics and where that gets used in the world, you know, in, in all sorts of science, medical science, chemical science, computer science. Very many people in the world have this leaning where we've educated our brains a lot on the left. And so when you're trying to begin to understand that everything is connected and that you're a part of that connection and that how you'll interact with your system, it's helpful to have some of these simple concepts in mind. So how do you take care of your body? That's a simple concept. Here's this incredibly complex system that I talked about, but taking care of your body involves some pretty simple processes around nutrients, sleep, and sensory and emotional regulation, stimulation, things I talk about more in the thread on personal development. What permaculture does is it starts to show some of the patterns that exist in nature that are easier for that very left brain education thinking to to digest. And what I see within it is a pathway then as you begin to understand through the ecology system, through the permaculture thinking, makes it easier to step in and and start to think about how is this all working and how could I influence how I'm acting in the world? How could my community work together in the world that was in a more life-affirming and life-supportive way that recognizes patterns and cycles of destruction, that doesn't try to have a notion of perpetual growth, that understands where the system came from, what are the premises and thinking behind it, where are the hidden costs and where are the exploitations, and who is entitled uh, and who is acting entitled. And then also, where is the system stressed? So like with a body system, I was explaining ideas around climate change once to someone and they said, so do you mean the climate change is the planet acting like it's got a cold? Because the things that we're seeing in more extreme weather events and in different temperature fluctuations around the planet and so on that have been caused by the human design system that we're talking about, the amount of carbon we've chucked into the atmosphere in 200 years and the kinds of things that that has caused. They said is it's like this, the, the climate has a cold. And I think that's a pretty good analogy to think about system understanding because you recognize that in your body. A sign that something's out of balance is a very strong message often. You know, it could be your actual cold. It could be a fever. It could be a cough. It could be aches and pains. It could be pain in the tummy, digestion issues and so on. And they're all signals to, to say, I wonder what's going on in my body. And I think that's similar when we look at our, our well-being as well. Something is, is shouting at us when it, it's very out of balance. And so if we understand how a healthy living system is and we are in relationship with it, by extension, you can begin to understand other systems and you can begin to think about what their needs are as you develop connections again. So a bit like a mother, you know, or a primary carer who've been with uh, a child for an, a long time in an intimate relationship knows that something's wrong and out of whack with the child's health very quickly often because they're in that connected relationship where almost the separation between the carer and the child is is very 
minimal, that there's a great mesh and attached bonding there. And so until we have taken all the opportunities um, that we can find to remake those connections, these kind of permaculture ideas, and there are others that I'm going to explore in terms of how we govern, how we make decisions, ideas like sociocracy that looks at how decisions could be made in a a non-par-over but participatory way. What if we applied ecosystem thinking and principles, you know, to uh, economic activity, to commoning, to have a a dynamic world and and an understanding and literacy of the world we live in, so a kind of ecological literacy, how we can support the conditions that allow biodiversity to be healthy, all sorts of things are alive and living in relationship with each other. And some of those are, are interesting ideas that have as their origin a understanding and therefore a respect of the living systems. So it's a bit like knowing when the only thing that a body needs to regenerate itself is some rest and sustenance. You know, so some of the places that are you know, most stressed on the planet might just do better if we left them alone and allowed them rewilding. But I think that, again, we have to be careful in how we language that and think about wild or wilderness as, again, something separate from us. I think it's quite fun and maybe something I'll explore in the well-being thread at some point is to think about how we rewild ourselves or how we realize we have never been other than anything other than wild. We have not been domesticated. We are still wild creatures ourselves. Today was that that overview. And what I hope to get into in in this so in this thread in subsequent episodes is more detail about what are these systems I'm referring to or these frameworks, what is permaculture, to go through the different principles that come from ecology and think about where they might be applicable in your life or any life that you're involved in the design of or the influence of um, and community and family and gardens and, you know, economic and education systems and health systems and all the different spheres of activity that permaculture exploring thinking has ended up now. So that is all for now. Just some ideas to stimulate the thinking. What system do you see being a part of and what system would you like to step into and support and hold that would give the conditions for life to thrive?